0: Welcome to the Preserving Family podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree.
1: We are so excited to be here today. I am excited to be with my good friend, and colleague, Ken Craig. Ken, thanks for coming today.
0: It's good to be with you, Mark. Thanks for inviting me.
1: We uh, we have some great memories, Ken. Uh, I don't know what you remember more. Uh, our time in a bishopric together, are you beating the tired of me in racquetball which one stands out more
0: <laughs> the bishopric does the racquetball was early in the morning i was foggy
1: <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know what you were doing and somehow it was 21 to zip every every time i don't know about that but uh, those was... were that was fun though that was that was a fun time for me so well fun. ken one of the reasons why uh, i was so excited to have you be part of this today is because a i have so much respect for you as a dad i think you're such one of the great dads that I know. And you make being a dad fun. Um, and it's Father's Day, you know, it's Father's Day. Do you have any special Father's Day traditions in your home? Oh, it's usually about the food.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, and everybody tries to come together, which I love. And, and so, uh, we, we do have a weird tradition in our family that my wife Katie brought from her growing up. She was one of, uh, she was like President Nelson's family it was nine girls and then a boy so yeah. the nine girls on Father's Day would wear one of their dad's ties to to church and so our kids will do that they all come in and raid my closet and wear, <laughs> wear one of my ties the boys and the girls to to church so that's kind of a fun just kind of a fun thing
1: oh that's so fun I, yeah, I would say the same for us. I think it centers a lot around food and sometimes from some pretty zany gifts you yeah know? <laughs> yeah so but we love it right so well Ken, tell tell our audience a little bit about you. Um, yeah, I would love to.
0: My So I met my wife, Katie, at BYU. We were both in a uh, sketch comedy and improv troupe called The Garens. It was BYU's first sketch comedy group. So, wow. um Yeah, so we were pioneers in that respect. And uh, <laughs> uh, we met there and were good friends for about a year and then started dating and got married that next summer. And uh, then we moved to, well, I guess we had our first daughter, Abby. We had our first child, Abby, here in, in Utah. Then we moved to Las Vegas because, you know, Utah is no place to raise a family. So we moved to Las Vegas. You got to get to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and we had um, six more children there. And then we moved back to Utah and had our, our last uh, our last child. So we have eight children. Uh, my background is in advertising. I, I work for the church now in philanthropies. We're here in Provo, Utah. Uh, I love I love having a big family. I grew up oldest of seven, Katie was one of 10. And so it was funny when we got married, we never even had the discussion of how many kids do you think we'll have? (laughs) We just kind of assumed we would have a big family and, and we sure did. I mean, I think, I think it's a good sized family. So
1: yeah. Um, Can you have a great, you have a great family. You really do. And I, we miss, uh, we miss having you in our ward. I, I remember as a member of the bishopric, we would pray. We just need some strong families to move in. And you guys came and then you left. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a year later or something or two, yeah. a couple of years I think. Yeah, it was a few
0: years. Yeah, we were we loved being a part of this ward too and uh, sir, I remember I remember meeting you and feeling like, oh, these are my people.
1: Yeah, you yeah. Know. The other family with eight kids. In, yeah, that's in, right. In, in that's the, right. <laughs> well, let's set the tone here uh, Ken, as we as we have our uh, discussion on fatherhood a little bit. You know, one of my favorite books from years ago, uh, David Popeno, a great scholar from Rutgers. And uh, the talk was, uh, sorry, not the talk, but the book, Life Without Father. And here's what he said, that I know a few other bodies of evidence whose weight leans so much in one direction, as as does the evidence about family structure, that on the whole, two parents, a father and mother, are better for the child than one. And I know that research backs that up over and over again. Of course, we're going to talk about fathers today. And we don't want to leave out, we, we recognize the importance of mothers. We would never try to minimize that. But oh, we just no. want people to know that when you have a mom and dad working together, and it's probably important to, you know, to specify that, yeah, when we talk about fathers and the importance of fathers, we're talking about good dads, yeah. you know, because uh, <laughs> horrible dads aren't real helpful, right? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> know. And, no. and I've, had some, I've heard people argue that. I don't know if it's great to have a dad like that, but no, but good involve fathers that love their children and are, Dedicated can make a huge difference.
0: Absolutely, Uh, I mean that's, it's one of, it's just such a fulfilling and and noble work. And when you are engaged in it, well, you you feel it. I mean, you feel the blessings that come from that. You feel the joy that comes from it. And uh, yeah, it's just one of my favorite things. I I
1: just listened to a little blurb today from Jordan Peterson. You may know a little (laughs) bit about Jordan Peterson, but he was saying that you know, for men who. Aren't fathers, or 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 who maybe aren't that great of fathers, he said. They're missing out on so much fun. Yeah, they just
0: talked about how much fun it is to be a dad. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's just the best time I can remember. You know, when my kids were very young, and uh, when we lived in Las Vegas, and I would play racquetball with a buddy of mine, and he said, "Well, wait till they're teenagers and they hate you." And I was, (laughs) what? Why? Why will they hate? Why will they hate me? I don't. I don't want that. And I was a little bit you know, (laughs) thrown by that. And I was so grateful as my kids age that that friendship, that that fun and the the relationship that we had sort of grew with us. And there wasn't an era. I mean, obviously there's times you have to, you know, lay down the law and you have parameters as a, as a parent that you need to make sure are in place, but that doesn't, it doesn't have to be done with some sort of cruelty, right? you know? And so I think there's plenty of room to, um, to still parent and to have a great time and be a good friend with, with your children so i do feel like i have eight of my best (laughs) friends in my home so
1: well i i i love that and i i we had the same experience when we had all of our young little little ones together and i remember a lady in our ward came up and said wait till they're teenagers you're gonna you're gonna hate your life yeah and uh say i had the same reaction of you like why yeah why what's what's gonna happen that we need to know about here and and uh and i i felt just how you did ken that Actually, those teenage years were the funnest. That was the most exciting. I mean, it was hard in some ways. Yes, sure. But it was so it was so fun to have your own children that you could have adult conversations with and and laugh together and uh, talk through some wonderful gospel principles. And uh, our kids are a little bit older than yours, but now we look and can say, so now our eight children are our best friends as adults. Yeah, I'm so grateful for that, and I know. I know your family's like that too. Yeah.
0: It's it's a great time. It's a great time. So here's a quote from uh, David Blankenhorn, who was the founder of the National Fatherhood Initiative. And he said, many people today believe that fathers are unnecessary. I believe the opposite. I pledge to live my life according to the principle that every child deserves a father, that marriage is the pathway to effective fatherhood, that part of being a good man means being a good father, and that American... America needs more good men. Oh, I love that we need uh, more good men. Yeah, me. <laughs> I, I like agree. that. Kind of a call to action there, and uh, I can't think of a better barometer in my own life of what kind of man am I than what kind of father am I? You know, maybe what kind of husband am I? But and those roles are are distinct, but also there's overlap there, right? They, they it's flow, within your family. Flow
1: and weave in and out for, for yes. sure, all, yeah. all the time, and so. And it does take a good man to be a good husband and a good father. It takes someone who's willing to make sacrifices and and put others first and uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute. so certainly, good fathers are necessary for the healthy development of their children. Good dads can make a difference. You know it'd be fun to interview you know hundreds of people and their experiences with their fathers growing up and what kind of what kind of difference their their dad or mom has has made in their life and even yesterday in a class I taught, you know, we were talking about life, life's lessons learned, a book by Elder President Oaks. Yeah. And uh, and I said, you know, what are some lessons that you can learn from your own parents? And I know that there are some sitting in those classes saying, I didn't learn anything good from my parents. I had horrible parents. And I and I was so I was quick to say, hey, and before you say that. We can learn something good from everyone, so just just think for a minute, and you'll come up with something great, right? and so our our parents make a huge difference, but especially if they're good, consecrated, dedicated parents, especially good dads, yeah here's here's a President James E. Faust from a few few years ago. President Faust spoke a lot about fatherhood. He said abundant evidence shows that the presence of a firm, loving father in the home is far more likely to produce responsible. Law-abiding children than if the father is not there, or if he doesn't fulfill his duties as a father in the home. In either case, an effect, an ineffective father throws a double burden on the mother. The active presence of a father in the home, along with one or both of the parents being active in the church, with discipline and gospel teaching in the home, seems to produce stable and strong families. Hmm. I think to that you just say Amen. Yeah, yeah. I don't take any issue with any anything (laughs) President Faust has said. No, I think those are great statements of once again the difference that an involved and consecrated, dedicated father can make in the life of his children. Yeah, that
0: really is that that consecration is really setting a, setting aside time. Yeah, for them, um, quantity as well as quality. But but being there is you can never predict what you know when they're going to be ready to talk or when they're going to be ready to share. So you got to be there for when they, when that mood strikes them, or
1: when that opportunity could be eleven o'clock at night, right? Yeah. Or eleven. Very often it is. Yeah. yeah, totally. It reminds me of, you know, Ken. I think you may be aware, but I had the chance to interview some of President Nelson's children for That's a right. chapter for a book I wrote year, well, a couple years ago. And one of the things that one of his daughters said that just struck me is that our dad knew that his work day didn't really start until he got home from <laughs> from his medical practice. yeah, and th- and then he was so involved. You know, he he was helping the kids with their homework. Uh, he was running them to their you know, lessons and yeah. places they had to be. He was even driving one to early morning seminary, but he was completely involved in in their lives. and he chose to to take his children with him on so many of those medical conferences because he saw other doctors that were losing their kids because they had so much wealth and time and and uh, means, but but their kids were getting into trouble. And I think he said, as you and I talked earlier, that's not going to happen on my watch. Yeah, He made sure that he was really involved in their lives, yeah. which I find amazing knowing how busy he must have been. I think there's, there's a, an eternal pattern there. We think of our Father in
0: Heaven as being involved in the details of our lives. We want him, we need him involved in the details of our lives. Well, right. me as a, as a mortal and flawed father, that's certainly a pattern. I should certainly be involved in the details of my children's lives so that they know I care
1: and right. I'm, I'm there. I'm a safety net for them and I'm invested in who they are and what they're becoming. I think it's the only way we can have an influence on our children, right? As if we're connected to them and uh, we've invested the time. Yeah. And then now to teach them, it's going to work. And they're more likely to uh, adopt or or even be converted to the things that we're teaching them when there's a great relationship there. Absolutely. I agree with you. So Mark, I know you're the research guy. You've got the credentials to talk (laughs)
0: about these things and I'm more anecdotal and, and stories and uh, personal experiences, but I am fascinated by the research. Yeah, and me so, too. Uh, you know, research shows that positive, healthy father involvement impacts children and teens in positive ways that matter. Uh, children with involved fathers, when compared to those who don't have involved fathers or even have absent fathers, report higher levels of cognitive development, cognitive achievement, math, reading scores, and have fewer behavioral problems. Overall, they perform better academically, which makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, children and youth who have involved fathers also report higher levels of self-worth, self-confidence, life satisfaction, and overall child well-being. I don't know about you, but I when I remember being young, a compliment from my father was huge. Yeah, for me, when I it, it totally built my self-confidence and feelings of self-worth
1: especially for for boys right i mean for yeah boy i mean once again both parents they're so crucial but for boys they need to hear that from their dads you yeah because that that's
0: that you're... is the role that they they are hoping to fill one day right and so
1: yeah that matters those compliments and praise you'll you'll run through the i still remember winning a a high school baseball game by bunting and i remember on the drive home my dad said you know what you're having a great season aren't you and he kind of slapped me on the knee now that was 50 years ago yeah i still remember that vividly yeah you know i mean we we just remember though and i hope my kids remember those those compliments that we give to them as well as we try to build them up yeah
0: i hope so i hope those are the things that stay with them not not the times where i'm cranky yeah yeah exactly angry that's right Uh, Last bit of research, father involvement is also a deterrent to delinquent behavior. If you have an an involved father, you are less likely to go to jail, get kicked out of school, or be a juvenile delinquent.
1: I must have had an involved father. (laughs) (laughs) Well, once again, just what a great testament, right, to the difference that fathers can make. And, you know, we've heard those statistics before. I think it's something like 85% of those uh, of men in prison uh, didn't have a dad in their homes. Something like in the 70s. 70% 70% or so of, of young men who are juvenile delinquents, no dad. 60% of those who commit suicide or attempt suicide didn't have dads in their home. So we'll say it again, not dads, but really good dads who are involved can make a, can make a big difference. Yes. So Ken, let's, I had the chance to meet your dad a time or two because he would come to our ward occasionally. Obviously, I didn't know him that well. And I know that your dad passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, he did for about four years ago. Yeah, it always seems like wasn't that last week or? Two? I know. But then it, you're like, "Wow, yeah. that was really that long ago." Wow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, Ken, let's just talk about your dad for a minute. What kind of dad was your dad?
0: <laughs> oh, my dad was a good man. Um, knowing knowing that you would ask me about him, I kind of and and four years is is a little bit of time, but it's still I still get it stuck in my throat sometimes. So I wrote hey. this down, hoping that it would. Keep my emotions at bay. Is that all right if I? <laughs> I, I read love this? it. <laughs> my dad was complex. There were layers to him. Yeah. He was affectionate with his family and he gave giant bear hugs that made it feel like everything was going to be okay. He came from a difficult home where it was not safe to be vulnerable. And on top of that, he was drafted into the Vietnam War. So he had some insecurities that manifested sometimes with a short temper. But over the years, he softened. Um, he had a tender heart, and as he got older, he was very adept at expressing it. He loved the beach, the mountains, and lakes. He loved being out and away. He did not love crowds. <laughs> he loved laughing with his kids. Uh, and what little tolerance he did have for authority, he saved it for church leaders. Yeah, loved loved the church leaders. <laughs> right. He loved his family. He loved the Lord, and and his throughout his entire life, my dad was trying to improve. Uh, As far as personalities go, my dad and I were quite different in in most ways, not in every way, in a a lot of ways. And I sometimes wondered in my youth if he was disappointed that I wasn't more like him. Yeah. Uh, He never said that or anything. But then uh, my mom told me some years back that after a phone call he had had with me um, about a struggle that I was going through a business struggle and right. I kind of told him how I was handling it. And I remember at the time thinking, this is not how he would handle it. <laughs> and so I was a little nervous to, to tell him about it. And when I did, my mom said that after that we got off the phone, he turned to her and he said, he is so much more a better man than I am. Yeah, And that stayed with me. You know, We were just yeah. talking about compliments from just our don't fathers. Don't forget that, do you? Yeah. And after he passed away, My brother took things off of his computer hard drive and sent it to all of us. It was his journals, talks that he'd given, and things like that. And I found a talk that he had given in October 2009. He was serving in a stake presidency, and he had written about a different phone conversation that we had had, and he shared in his talk, Ken has always been a good boy and probably comes closest to fitting the description of King Benjamin's people more than anyone else I know having no more disposition to do evil. Wow. Boy, that that was that's one of my favorite compliments. To hear that ever. from your dad is Yeah. Yeah. Is gold, right? <laughs> and that was and I think I think that was the thing I admire about him most was he came from a very difficult upbringing. But in reading his journals after he passed, even from his mission up until now, I noticed that trend that he was always trying to improve. Yeah. That he's he wanted to be good for the Lord. Right. for my mom for his kids he he wanted to improve and and my uh, you know unbiased opinion he sure yeah. did i think he was heaven bound yeah so
1: good man what a what a what a cool thing for for you to have that treasure of that talk that he gave yeah about, about yeah. you and well and thank you for giving me a space to share that i don't know yeah. where else i would yeah <laughs> share well, that, that's but. so cool i i love what you said ken about uh you know being better you know uh thinking that he's better, you know, you were better than him. And I, it was really funny. So our son and his wife, their kids went to Hawaii recently. And while they were there, their oldest son, Luke, so our oldest grandson uh, threw a rock. He wasn't trying to, (laughs) he wasn't trying to hurt anyone, but just as he threw a rock, his sister oh no, uh, popped out of the water and the rock, you know, just hits right in the head and they have to run to, to the hospital to get stitches. Oh no. And I remember hearing that and thinking, man, I could just see that happening in our day with our when our kids were younger, and yeah. how mad I probably would have been, you know. <laughs> and so I asked Luke, I said, "How did your dad handle that?" And he said, "You know, my dad just made me swim laps out in the ocean." <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, my son is so much better than I was in some situations of how I may have handled something." But yeah, which is what you want for your children. We want right? that. We want them yeah. to be better than us. That's yeah. for sure. So, so, Ken, what are some of those lessons that you remember your dad teaching you that stand out now that may not have stood out at all yeah. at the time, but are there some that you're like, you yeah, know, I remember a couple of these? <laughs> I do
0: remember a couple, especially, uh, I mean, he was always teaching, even after I was married and had my own children, there were lessons that came from my dad. But yeah. I can remember being young one time in, in sacrament meeting, and whoever was speaking was talking about marriage. Right. And they said, communication is the most important thing. And my dad leaned over and said, do you believe that? And I knew, I knew my dad well enough and the tone of his question to know the answer was supposed to be no. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know what the answer was supposed to be. So I said, I think communication important. Yeah. And he said, the most important part of your marriage is your discipleship and following the example of the Savior Jesus Christ. Because I promise you, you are communicating at all times. Because if you're a big jerk, you're communicating <laughs> to your spouse, hey, I'm a big jerk. Right. But if you're trying to follow the Savior, then that will improve everything else you yeah. do, your relationships. And that's, I mean, I was I was elementary school age, and I remember that. Yeah. Um, it just struck me that that's what
1: changes relationships. That's what changes people is following the Savior. And by the way, can I agree with that? I Sometimes someone will ask me, Okay, you teach this eternal family class. Why don't you sum up your whole class in a sentence? And I'm like, actually, that's easy. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes when you hear that, you're like, that'd be so hard to do. How do you do that? Super simple. It's exactly what your dad said, you know, that if we're disciples of Christ, if we learn how to acquire the Savior's attributes, that's what you need to focus on. So, what a cool lesson your dad was yeah. sharing. I think yeah. that's great. I was grateful for that. Um, another time, I remember going to
0: a state conference and a youth, someone my age, was speaking. And they told a story about how they wanted to stay home from church to watch some sports game, and the dad sa- and his dad said, "Well, son, it's it's up to you. Although you know your family will be at church, and you know I'm yeah. going to leave it to you to make that decision." And and that he chose to go to church instead. And I thought, "Wow, I want to have that experience. I want to have that moment where I choose it." Yeah. And I had no- I really hadn't grown up having a problem with going to church. I right. Went my family went. That was what we did. And and I was. Uh, and I was comfortable with that, but I wanted to have that that moment where I was recognized for choosing the right. I guess in my dramatic young mind. Right. So one Sunday, as, shortly after that, my you know I went in and told my mom, who was much more approachable than my dad, and I said, <laughs> I said, "Hey, mom, I'm not going to go to. I don't think I'm going to go to church today." And so she said, "Well, you'll have to tell your dad."
1: you're like, "Never mind." <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A good call, mom.
0: So I I went in and said. Uh, Hey, Dad, I don't think I'm going to go to church today, waiting for the moment for him to say, it's your choice. And I could say, okay, I choose to go. Yeah. So I said, Dad, I don't think I'm going to go to church today. And he said, well, that's too bad because that's what our family does. So you got 10 minutes to get dressed and get ready. <laughs> and uh, and some people will argue, oh, he took away your agency or whatever. I didn't see it that way because yeah. I, I could have very easily gone to church and then yeah. ditched or whatever. To me, he was saying, "We've made covenants. Yeah, we keep those covenants, and and that stayed that stayed with me. He, my dad was a covenant keeper, and that influenced me more than any lecture or or sermon or and uh, and um, and yeah, I that that was a lesson he taught me in my youth that that stayed with me. So
1: well, that's so cool. Those are a couple of my young, young
0: yeah. Those are those that.
1: are those are great lessons, and I. You know, what's fun is if we interviewed your dad and had the opportunity to do that and said, okay, what are some lessons you taught your children? I promise you, he probably wouldn't have come up with those too. <laughs> no, probably in not. In his mind, he probably wouldn't even have remembered that. It's just always fun to hear our kids, you know, I had one of our kids share something like that recently. And I, and I didn't really even remember that being a moment Yeah. for me. But for her, it was super significant, you know. And, uh, and another reminder for dads and moms that we're always teaching, even when we don't know that we are. So... Ken, what are some of your beliefs about fathering? I'm sure some of those come from your dad. Others come from things you've studied and learned, but just, you know, a few core beliefs. And I'm thinking of this in the context of, if you and I were standing up together and we're going to teach a group of 30 or 40 young men that are on the verge of getting married next month and starting their families, it'd be kind of fun to say, well, here, here's three or four things you may want to know.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, here's two things that jump out. At me, uh, Mark. And these actually come right from the, the proclamation on the family. Yeah. It says, successful marriages and families are established and maintained on principles of faith, prayer, repentance, forgiveness, respect, love, compassion, work, and wholesome recreational activities. Yeah. And obviously you could give... You could spend a year studying each one of those, <laughs> right. you know, those uh, principles and attributes. But I, uh, for me, there's two that have that really stood out to me in my own life, and uh, one of those is compassion, yeah. which I feel, you know, there's many definitions of compassion, right? But for me, um, I think it is assuming the best about each other and giving each other the benefit of the doubt, and yeah. that's certainly a dynamic in my marriage. But I also feel that with my children, where when someone's having an off day. Rather than seeing it as this character flaw, it's the hey, that's not you. I'm not sure what happened, but let's get back to being your best self and and kind of uh, loving them into that. Rather than seeing everything as this needs to be a family home evening lecture, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but kind of that's assuming right. that, that extending that kind of compassion, I love it when that's extended to me, and I and so I, I love to extend that to my to my children. And the other is forgiveness. Um, which I think is a strong component to that that compassion but I I have children who boy, they are so quick to forgive. Yeah and man I appreciate that. Yeah. And um, and that instills in me that desire to be to be quick to forgive and and to be quick to ask for forgiveness. I think there are people that can carry I've seen people I know people who have carried a grudge or carried anger and and just don't let let it go. And that just festers and be, and just opens a door to so many other problems sure. yeah. and uh, like they're not gonna they're yeah. not gonna listen to you or take your counsel when they're when their heart is yeah hard and so um so those are two that I I would want my kids to to really understand and use in their own relationships right
1: and it makes me think Ken as I ask you that question I'm like okay what would I say to that you know and I think yeah. it, obviously what you've shared is is wonderful for me but the right answer is <laughs> go mark. <laughs> the correct answer would be <laughs> No, the, uh, first of all, I think of just the connection and the relationship, you know, that that's key and it has to be there because if the, if it's not, there's no influence, there's no teaching. Yeah. Um, and so that's huge, you know, to have that connection. Part of that comes from time together. You have to invest the time and put the time in, but also having fun. And Ken, that's one of my favorite memories with you. And I hope it's a memory for my own children, but I, I used to love walking up and down the hallways of church and seeing you walking with one of your kids and you both were just <laughs> laughing together. Yeah, and I, I, and I hope that's a memory in our family as well as I. And I've told my my kids, my job is to is to make you laugh, you know. And yeah, so, don't you feel that? That's part. I mean, that is a that's a personal
0: conviction of mine because laughing just softens the edges of life. Right, and you have inside jokes, you know, family inside <laughs> jokes and family quotes. That kind of that humor can uh, can really set a tone for having a even a deep discussion because I don't know there's love involved in that and there's uh, that humor can really knock down <laughs> walls and I know that's not everybody's a focus of everybody you know some people are uh,
1: just don't have that yeah their- and
0: that's fine I'm not saying they're they're breaking a
1: commandment <laughs> I just I don't know how I would parent without without humor, humor. yeah without laughing together I remember there was a time in our life where my son. Would we'd sit in church and he would start drawing cartoons of the speakers, <sighs> and, oh, yeah. and, 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 and then and then with quotes that they were saying, <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, sometimes there'd be a little bit of snickering, and and uh, I would do all I could to not just break out and laugh, <laughs> and we were like on the second row. <laughs> yeah. and I remember uh, Janie telling me. Uh, one of those times going to church that I couldn't sit next to Brandon. <laughs> I'm like, really? You're like, you're separating us? She's like, yeah, you cannot sit next to him. <laughs> but I thought that was pretty healthy. That's like, great. You know what? I'll, if I get kicked out of sacrament meeting for laughing with my son, I'll take it. Yeah, because exactly. Because I probably, probably need that every now and then. So, All right. Well, Ken, what about, and this is, you know, maybe both of us can share something here. I And there's so many, you know, when I when I think of choice experiences we've had with our children, there's certainly highlights that in our LDS faith and culture that center around ordinances and covenants and, and, you know, experiences like the mission, you know, heading onto a mission or being married in the temple or, but a lot of those significant experiences can come from really simple things that happen in our, in our lives. And I just, I thought it'd be cool if, if maybe each of us just shared one kind of cool experience from fatherhood that you're like, you know what? I hope I never forget this one. This is, yeah, this was a big one for me. And I, and once again, now flipping that around a little bit, that may be one that our kids have never thought of since, but we're like, Oh, I'll never forget that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I have two. I'll try and tell them really quick. One Mm. was, you know, our you know, this, our family has done several cross country trips. Yeah. We had a 12 passenger van and we've gone to all the way to Boston and, and back. And, um, and those trips can be long, I mean, they were several weeks long, and I mean yeah. some of the days can be long yeah. and and uh I just remember being in New York, and we it was we were there for one day, so we packed it way too much and we were over and we're on the subway at the end of the day, you know heading back to our car, wiped out, and my kids start we were the only ones in this section of the subway, and they start just being so goofy and they're running around the <laughs> poles and doing this, and I'm watching it going. I love this moment. Like, this yeah. might be the moment of the trip for me. We're yeah. all laughing together. All, you know, all of us on this subway. And on the same trip, my youngest, Hillary, broke her collarbone. Oh, and my so, gosh. so, yeah, fell Hol- down some Hopefully stairs. Hopefully not on the subway. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we were getting mugged in a, an alleyway. No. It was uh, in Chicago on the way back, and she fell down some stairs, broke her collarbone. Oh, boy. And so we're, we're maybe... Twelve hours from home. It's the final stretch in the car, and the kids all do this lip sync, you know, in the car together. And it was another moment of you know, some of us are in pain. (laughs) We're all tired, and we're just enjoying this moment together. Yeah. And and so that was that was uh, that just reminded me, like you say, there's those big things: births, ordinances, Mm -hmm. marriages, babies. But there's those moments that you can't anticipate that yeah. just kind of stand out to you and you feel like uh you're kind of seeing heaven in this moment totally yeah. totally unplanned
1: yeah so no i think that i love that i love the i love the the way that you saw that experience that many people would have seen and maybe not thought thought much of you yeah know? but uh you know one that the one that i think of and, and really i think for both of us we could probably come up with Twenty or thirty of these, you know. <laughs> yeah, are, it's hard to uh, and, and, they, and they're awesome because when they, when they happen, wow, what a what a great experience and something that cements our bond, you know, to our children. But one of the one that I think of, for me, and I hope I never forget it. But when our kids were really young, uh, there was a time where I was working full time and in graduate school, uh, which meant sometimes a couple days a week I wasn't going to get home till ten o'clock at night, which meant uh, our kids were in bed. They were, oh yeah! I mean, they were they were in bed when I got home, you know. But anyway, we would have scripture study in the morning. They were like two, three, four <laughs> years old, so whatever that looked like, you yeah. know, At that, I'm not sure if it was a complete edifice. tremendous insight, <laughs> <Yeah>, tremendous <laughs> doctrinal discourses. But but we would have our uh, you know we would have that scripture time in our prayer, and then I would I would head off for work. And we lived the where where we lived at the time in Mesa, Arizona, is the main road out of our subdivision, so to speak, was went right behind our house. Uh-oh. So I drove out of my driveway, went around and then drove behind our house to get up to the to the main road and my children would run out to the swing set and they'd climb on the very top of it. And as I drove by they were clapping and, and cheering and saying, you know,
0: Okay, Dad, see, <laughs> see you. The day. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know, and, and it was just them cheering me on, but I I remember some days having a lump in my throat, you know, as as they would do that, because I said, I don't know what you guys are really saying, but to me, what you're saying is, Dad, you can do it, you can do this, and we're behind you, you know. Yeah. Other and other experiences certainly is the mission call, you know, and how cool who how cool that is, and I remember with a lot of our children, I thought, man. Right before they walk into the MTC, I'm telling them this. I'm going to tell them this, and they're going to hear this. So I wanted them to hear that one more time, and then the moment comes, and all you can do is sob and hold them, and that's it. Yeah. like Dad, didn't you have something to say? <laughs> can't talk. Yeah, can't talk. I'll put right it in the now. letter later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. so so such good memories, right with our with our family. Absolutely. Hope hope that's we never forget stuff. those. You know, Ken, as we come to a conclusion today and by the way this has been so good to be with you and and just kind of talk through some of these things what counsel or advice would you give maybe a young dad or an inexperienced dad that's maybe even having a a difficult time and not really sure if he's even any good at this fathering stuff (laughs) uh i think how we feel right now yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) i would tell him that's not going away (laughs) um I think, yeah,
0: I think we've all been there, and I think we find ourselves there from from time to time. There's days where you're really nailing it, and days when you're uh, <laughs> convinced you've never nailed it. Yeah. And, um, but I think, I think perspective. I think giving yourself some grace, and um, and I think perspective helps. You know, it it's not going to always feel this way because it hasn't always felt this way. You yeah. Know? And so, um, there's a quote that uh, from President Henry B. Eyring. It brought me a lot of of comfort and I've, and I've shared it with other friends when they're feeling a little bit of this overwhelm. but this is from uh, an article, the hope and the hope of eternal family love from August, 2016. He says a prophet of God once offered me counsel that gives me peace. Mm -hmm. I was worried that the choices of others might make it impossible for our family to be together forever. He said, you are worrying about the wrong problem. You just live worthy of the celestial kingdom and the family arrangements will be more wonderful than you can imagine. Wow! And I, I feel like mm-hmm. that is saying so much. It's certainly mm-hmm. a testament of, of the atonement and this, our Savior's love, amidst our weaknesses, right? And that He is anxious to bless us and anxious to help us get to, where we are, uh, reassured, yeah, of good things to come, of of things as they really are, and. Uh, and sometimes when we're feeling that discouragement, it's hard to feel love. It's hard right. to feel the light of, of the Savior. But that perspective, for that, that just offers me that perspective. Of, oh, yeah, I will keep doing what I can do. And this story's not over. My children's stories are not over. And, right. uh, and if I'm doing the best I can, that's that's all that the Lord's asking of me.
1: Yeah. And, uh,
0: and even if I'm not doing the best I can, <laughs> I can repent and try to do the best I can. Right. And so
1: the... Um, there that it will be a happy ending if that's yeah. what I want. Yeah. And I always believe that it's never, ever too late. Ever. Absolutely. You know, some people think that, okay, I'm sixty years old, I don't have this great relationship with one of my kids. Oh well. No, no. You could have a great next thirty years with that kid. You yeah. Know? And you know, one of for me, Ken, what I would say is one of the patterns that I notice a lot, especially with our students at BYU is that they have this faulty belief that if their parents' marriage was a certain way, usually a bad in a bad way, yeah. that they're destined to have that kind of marriage, you know, or if their dad if, you know, or their mom was a certain way, then I'm probably going to be just like them. And it doesn't have to be that way at all. In fact, sometimes we look at what our own parents have done and say I I may need to do some things really different, <laughs> maybe even the opposite sometimes and, and it could be very successful. I would tell a young discouraged father, uh, that, that what you, what you need to do could be really, really simple. Mm. And it's really as simple as, you know what, invest the time, you know, put the time in, have fun with your, have fun with your family, have fun with your children and uh, find ways to enjoy them. But you're going to have to spend some time and, and have some fun with them and laugh hysterically yeah uh, and take interest in their lives. Ask them questions, you know. And I don't want to oversimplify this because I know some would think, oh boy, you don't know how hard it is. But really, to be a good dad isn't that hard. But there's just not many people who want to do it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because it it is tiring and it can be
0: exhausting. Well, like you say, you don't want to oversimplify it, but you also don't want to overcomplicate it. Right,
1: right. You know, to ask your kid a few questions at the end of the day, uh, to go do something with them. I mean, one of my favorite things with my own children was. Riding home with them in the car by myself just after one of their events, whatever that was, and just talking about it. And that didn't take any effort. That didn't cost much money, but I think it made a huge difference, you know, yeah. in my life and in, and in their lives. You know, this uh, this quote from W.C. Braun <sighs> is one that uh, I've always liked. He said, the, the place to take the true measure of a man is not in the darkest place or in the amen corner, nor in the cornfield, but by his own fireside. By the way, this quote's from the 1800s. There he lays aside his mask, and you may learn whether he is an imp or an angel, cure or king, hero or humbug. I care not what the world says of him, whether it crowns him boss or pelts him with bad eggs. I care not a copper, what his reputation or religion may be. If his babies dread his homecoming and his better half swallows her heart every time she has to ask him for a five-dollar bill. He is a fraud of the first water, even though he prays night and morning until he is black in the face. But if his
0: children rush to the front door to meet him, and love sunshine illuminates the face of his wife, every time she hears his footfall, you can take it for granted that he is pure, for his home is a heaven. I can forgive much in that fellow mortal who would rather make men swear than women weep who would rather have the hate of the whole world than the contempt of his wife, who would rather call anger to the eyes of a king than
1: fear to the face of a child. Isn't that a great measure of yeah. of manhood? Well, hey, how about an invitation? You know, we talk about LDS, let's do something, and we're not going to ask dads to do much this week. They need to take a, take a break, right, Ken? Absolutely. <laughs> Kick back. That's right. But what if... For the dad or even the grandfather or even a, a, a mentor in your life, that you wrote them a note, a short note, or sent them a text or an email or something, just letting them know something specific that they did that had an impact on you, that 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 helped you at a different time in your life. What, what kind of difference did they make? Let them know and uh, share that with them. I promise it will make their day. Yeah. They may be waiting to hear <laughs> something like that and... I could. I could make their whole Father's Day. Yeah, and they need it. They need to hear that. They definitely do. Well, thank you so much, Ken. Once again, it's awesome to be with you, and we need to do this again. Absolutely. (laughs) It's my privilege, my blessing (laughs) to be here. Maybe the topic will be BYU scores in the Big 12 or something. We'll we'll do some (laughs) predictions or something. But great to be with you, Ken, and for all who are listening. We hope you have a wonderful week and look forward to seeing you next time.